Some massive commitments for LSU over the past couple of days at a position that we all know is of the utmost of need for LSU. You are Locked On LSU, your daily podcast on the LSU Tigers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, thank you for making Locked On LSU your first listen every single day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Today's edition of Locked On LSU is brought to you by LinkedIn. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business, and that is why LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college terms and conditions apply. And joining us for today's edition of locked in LSU is Brian Smith, locked on's official recruiting insider. Brian, the people love you. I love you. And it's a great day to talk about LSU recruiting because (laughs) LSU just landed two cornerback recruits. And Brian, if we haven't been complaining about this LSU secondary really ever since the Florida State game. And if it wasn't an obvious need that LSU needs some corners in the 2024 class, I mean, where, where have you been? <laughs> I think I've texted with you about that more than once. Um, oh, yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> usually yes. with you not being very happy with me, but it's, <laughs> look, it's an easy low hanging fruit to pick on LSU secondary right now. So they go out and they get two corners, uh, mm-hmm. both of them very talented. I know one actually pretty well, and the other kid from Mississippi, Woodwin's very, very good. They got they got skilled kids coming in. Now they just got to develop them. I don't know what's going on on the current roster. You're, I'm going to let you deal with that. But LSU has help on the way from the high school ranks. And uh, I think we should start with Woodwin, the kid from Mississippi. Mm-hmm. He's from Hattiesburg. He goes to a good program in Oak Grove, plays both sides of the ball. I wouldn't care where they play him, free safety, corner, or receiver. He's good at all three. Big playability, very twitchy. He's got great hands, anticipation. I think he's going to play right away for the Tigers. And they stole one out of Mississippi because I'm sure Lane would have loved to have it. Yeah, well, he was originally committed to Mississippi State. And P.J. Woodland, three-star corner from Hattiesburg, originally committed to Mississippi State, decommitted from Mississippi State, and then just a few days later pledged his commitment to LSU. You say he can start right away. Is that because of his ability? Is it because of lack of depth on the roster, or is it maybe a little bit of both? Well, because I like picking on you, I'm going to go with both. But, okay, uh, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> no, I mean, he's the, he's the kind of kid that can come in and play. Mm-hmm. I hate picking kids to start as freshmen, but I'm surprised he's ranked as a three-star by anybody. The film doesn't lie. Again, breaks on the football very well. He anticipates. He's played all three spots really well in receiver, corner, and free safety. I have no problem with him coming in and competing. And the speed is very evident. He runs away from kids and makes it look pretty easy. That's a kid that LSU can use very, very early. Yeah, absolutely. Could use now. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> you, meant, you mentioned, I mean, it's just, it's just laughable at this point. Like I was on, <laughs> on Baton Rouge radio this morning talking about uh, South Carolina, Texas A&M, how important that game is. I said, think of a, a past defense worse than LSU's and that's South Carolina's. If you could even possibly imagine it. And they were like, man, that's, then that's when you know it's bad. That's when you know Florida it's bad. Florida just smoked South Carolina's past defense. So that's not a good sign. 
I, Graham Mertz put up over 400 passing yards on South Carolina. <laughs> I don't think Graham Mertz is a 400 passing yard kind of quarterback. Oh, no, man. No, he is not. Yeah, I think that he'd have a field day against this, this LSU defense, too. Uh, but you mentioned that he's a three-star. I don't really know why. But I, I think that a lot of LSU fans have looked at P.J. Woodland and also Bernard Causey, also a three-star corner that we'll get into as well. I think a lot of LSU fans are looking at it through the perspective of maybe vintage LSU, DBU LSU, of why are we so excited about these three stars? Maybe some of those fans that are used to LSU recruiting, for lack of a better term, star chasing. But just from your perspective, why does how much weight should we really put into the stars next to a kid's name? Well, there's an old saying, make sure that you grade it yourself. Make sure you watch the film. Don't wait on somebody else, et cetera, et cetera. In short, don't be lazy. You can turn on the film with Woodland. It doesn't take very long. Like three or four plays in, you're like, oh, because he doesn't just separate from a guy. It's like he shot out of a cannon. Anybody can put that kind of kid in the lineup. It'd be hard for me. And I know LSU has plenty of receivers. It'd be hard for me to take the ball out of his hands. I understand LSU has corner issues, and that's where they'll probably begin with him, but he could be a big time player at LSU as a wide receiver too. That's the kind of physical skill he has. Travis you know, Hunter kind of guy. Well, let's not let's not go too far. <laughs> That's the best high school receiver I've ever stood next to in terms of like burning guys. But Bernard Causey is a kid that I've known for a few years, and he's a pure cover corner. Just loves playing DB. Very chatty. Very very much a New Orleans kid. Not a, not afraid of anything. He's seen it all, and he's played against top competition for a long time. And he's from Kennedy High School. I think that's a kid that's very unique because he needs a lot of polish, but the physical tools and his ability to flip his hips and run make him another guy that could end up playing at LSU and making a big impact. I just think he's going to need a year or so to adjust to college. He needs to add some weight, mm-hmm. but you can't teach the physical school, the physical tools. And LSU's always had a great history out of Baton Rouge and New Orleans. So those are their two cities they always kill it at, and they get, they're getting another one. Tyran Matthew, Leonard Fournette. Pretty good track record out of the city of New Orleans. But yeah, like you mentioned, Bernard Causey, another three-star corner from JFK in New Orleans. So he decommitted from Ole Miss uh, just a couple of days ago. And then less than 24 hours later, commits to LSU. So uh, mine made up pretty quick there. I don't think there is any any hesitation for him once he got that offer from LSU where he wanted to go. But he was injured last year, sidelined for majority of his, I guess that would be what, his junior season? Uh, how does that affect recruiting when a player misses time for whatever reason? Well, he was a kid that was on the recruiting scene when he was a freshman. Like mm-hmm. I knew who it was when he was 15 years old and he was playing with like upper level kids and doing very well at 15. He had zero fear. He's that kid. Every other kid on the field hated because he was talking trash, but he'd back it up. And that's when he kind of got his offer list going and he, he was also on the bootleggers, which kind of helped, et cetera, some of those teams. Mm-hmm. And his name got out there. So he was lucky. But most kids, if you miss your junior year, that's bad news. He already had his name out before his sophomore year started, so it didn't matter as much. He, they just probably wanted to see him this year. How healthy is he? Is he going to be able to help us early in his career? Which is fine. Once LSU offers a kid from in-state, most of the time that's where the young man wants to go anyway. Mm-hmm. So probably wasn't very difficult. Coming up next, I have a couple more cornerback thoughts that I want to bounce off of Brian, plus a B 
big name recruit that will be in attendance in Tiger Stadium in just a few weeks. We'll get Brian's thoughts on that coming up next. But before we do that, I want to tell you about LinkedIn Jobs. I mean, these days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. And you want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. So that's why you have got to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. That's one of the best parts about it. It's free and it's super easy to use. Just go to linkedin.com, add the job that you're hiring for, and then add the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you are hiring. They've got simple tools like screening questions that make it super easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you would like to interview and to hire, bringing in that perfect team member to help you end 2023 on the right note. That's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the qualified candidates that you want to talk to faster. So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. That is linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free terms and conditions apply. All right, thanks again for making Locked on LSU your first listen every single day. Brian Smith, Locked On's official recruiting insider, is with us. I mentioned Bernard Causey and P.J. Woodland, two three-star corners committed to LSU in the 2024 class. Andre Evans is one that decommitted from LSU that you texted me about a couple weeks ago. He's from Nashville. I live in Nashville. I was like, give me his address because I'll go over there right now and I'll tell him, hey, how much we need you. But Andre Evans, a four-star from Nashville, decommits from LSU, has committed to Georgia. Can't blame the kid. You know, going to the number one team in the country, that's going to happen. Things are going to happen like that. But LSU loses Andre Evans, but has five corners committed in this 2024 class. It sounds like a lot, Brian, but it also sounds like it might be necessary for LSU to bring in just that many corners in this class. Well, they're bringing in athletes, though, that can play different spots, Kara. It's, yeah. it's great because now you're, you're always going to have at least one nickel on the field with the way college football is played anyway. And one of these kids will probably end up at safety. Corner hasn't been great, but safety hasn't lit the world on fire either. So Yeah, not wrong. And unfortunately, that's that's just kind of where LSU is. And again, Woodland it could end up at receiver. And I know they're killing at receiver too. So the question is just where do they they shuffle themselves? That takes care of itself once you get on campus. Brian Kelly has a very long history of moving guys around. Travis Kelsey was a defensive end for him at one point. He was smart enough to move into tight end. It's worked out. Travis, so, I've heard of him. Pretty good. <laughs> he's pretty good. Pretty but maybe just, just the best ever at that position. <laughs> he's he's a great player. And I don't know how it's going to work out, but they had to give themselves numbers and give themselves a chance. I think it's a smart move. And if kids don't want to compete, they can move on. LSU will be just fine. They got to find it. They need to do though in the transfer portal. They still in the offseason, I have a feeling we'll have an episode about that at some point. So We'll see what they can do, but at least three of these kids out of the five, I bet, still end up at corner. And if LSU does find itself in a position where they need to supplement through the transfer portal, I think that's a step in the right direction. I think every team in America probably has to supplement through the transfer portal. But now, you know, in Brian Kelly's first two years, they had to use the transfer portal just to build up position groups. They had to use the transfer portal to build up the entire secondary last season. So supplementary transfer portal additions – I, I can live with that. I can live with that as long as you're getting that homegrown talent 
uh, from from recruiting through high school. But you mentioned bringing in kids to campus. They're getting that very soon in a very high-profile recruit in the 2024 class, Drillin Miller. He's a four-star receiver. He just announced that he will get, come back to LSU for the Florida game in just a few weeks. He's a four-star receiver that was committed to Texas A&M, decommitted from Texas A&M, and has now planned visits to USC, LSU, and Colorado. Tell me about Draylon Miller. What do you know about him? Very strong, very good in one-on-one 50-50 balls. Had offers from schools across the country before his junior year was over. He was one of the top 25 or so players in Texas coming into the year. Could have went anywhere. AM got him early, but obviously that did not work out. <laughs> I think they're probably going to have more and more of that as that ship is quickly sinking. Yikes. Uh, it's, it's, I don't understand that. That's one of the weirdest deals I've ever seen. But that could be LSU's goal, though. Sometimes mm-hmm. you got to scoop up what other people screw up. And right Harold now, Perkins. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> A&M's already probably got the best front seven in the country. You imagine if Harold played for him? Jeez. Um, <laughs> that'd be incredible. But the point is still the same. LSU and A&M have butted heads in recruiting longer than I've been alive. And that's not going to change. They recruit a lot of the same East Texas and Houston kids. Mm-hmm. Looks like LSU's got the inside track to a guy that can be an early impact. I mean, LSU's receiver class is going to be stupid. Yeah, And I, I get it after what they've done this year. They've got the best overall passing game arguably in the country. But this is a kid that can be dynamic in the passing game underneath, over the top. He could run reverses with him. Very dynamic football player. And he was talking with some of the people from 24-7 Sports. He said, you know, I really like LSU and USC's offenses. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm sure you do as a wide receiver. You know, I do host a radio show in Nashville with a former NFL receiver. And he talks about how he wishes he could play football in this day and age, oh. this pass happy, you know, 150 receiving yards a game. And wide receivers, they've got a, a reputation of being divas. They want the football. They want to run mm-hmm. up their stat sheet. So I'm reading that. I'm like, of course you do. Of course you love that pass happy LSU oh, offense. Sure. What receiver wouldn't? Mace, I'm sure, would have went nuts. Yeah, I don't think that would have been any doubt about that. But he still had a pretty good career for 15 years. I think he's good. Oh, so. he's doing he's doing just fine. He's, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. He D Mace is doing just fine. Uh, and we also mentioned, you know, we've been talking about this a lot throughout the rest of the season, or throughout the entirety of the season, rather, of how much Brian Kelly values those home SEC games to bring in the big time talent, the four stars, the five stars, the whining and dining of them at Tiger Stadium, night games against Auburn, against Florida, some of the big biggest games of the season, Texas A&M at the end of the season as well. Just the importance of that, in your opinion, for bringing him in an environment like that. If you're not impressed with Tiger Stadium on a Saturday night, especially considering the offense that they have, I'm not sure that's the right place for you. Um, he's an East Texas kid. <laughs> I would imagine that's going to go well because that's a good fit socially. Yeah. And he's also very familiar with LSU because they've recruited him hard for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. And he's he's been to Baton Rouge, but this will be his first in-stadium true recruiting trip experience. So I know all the stops will be pulled out for this one. Oh, absolutely. 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 And you mentioned the Texas recruiting grounds. That LSU, Texas A&M, they butt a lot of heads. We've seen it so many times of players decommitting from A&M to go to LSU and vice versa. Houston kids sure. going to LSU, Louisiana kids going to Texas A&M. That's about to get that much more difficult as another Texas school joins the fold mm-hmm. next season. 
a huge commitment for Texas that just came down the pipe earlier this week that I want to get into what that means for LSU recruiting and what that means for LSU on the field when it inevitably gets harder next season once Texas and Oklahoma join the SEC. We'll get into that coming up next. All right, Brian Smith, Locked On Official Recruiting Insider, is with us. Just want to kind of go across the SEC, across the soon-to-be SEC, because Texas has been such a, you know, it's given LSU so many gifts, Harold Perkins being one of them. LSU loves to recruit out of the state of Texas. Well, Texas is coming to the SEC next season. And Ryan Wingo, a five-star receiver in the 2024 class from St. Louis, has just committed to Texas, which is going to be a problem for LSU to defend him on the field. And it also sounds like it's going to be, you know, added competition for LSU in recruiting as well. Texas is not playing any games with the NIL money. And obviously it's an oil school, so I, I get it. Mm-hmm. But that offense with Sark, they, I don't even look at the names anymore. When I go through their recruiting class at the skill spots, I just look and see who they got on their defense, a little bit of the D-line, because I know they're going to score a bunch. But adding Ryan Wingo from your your area mm-hmm. in St. Louis, if they just recruited Texas, they would be fine. But they're getting some extra guys from outside. They got a big-time lineman from California. They got Ryan from St. Louis. Mm-hmm. They're going to be around for a while. I don't know if LSU plays them next year, but I'm sure they're going to play against Wingo in that group yeah. pretty soon. That's going to be hard because they just got so much speed. And, and Wingo's a kid I, I've met and know. So I met a tournament in New Orleans, ironically. He could fly. When you're getting those kind of kids on top of what you already have, it's just more riches for the Texas Longhorns. And uh, I tell you what, the SEC was hard enough. Adding an extra game like that, I mean, you lose Vanderbilt and then you add Texas or Oklahoma the next year instead. What kind of present is that, Caroline? Do you like that? You want the competition to be that high? <laughs> I love it. I mean, the, the rich get richer in the SEC. I mean, it's inevitably going to be more difficult, especially if the SEC adopts the 3-6 model where you're now playing nine conference games. But I, 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 I love my team playing some of the best teams in the country. Look, it's, it comes back to bite LSU in the butt. I mean, they scheduled Florida State and lost two years in a row, but I look at Georgia who plays rinky dink high school schedules every single year. <laughs> and I'm thinking, is that really, you know, is playing UAB, no disrespect to UAB, but playing schools, you know, FCS schools or non-power five schools, does that really give you a good perspective of where your football team is at? Like I, I, I'm all for the difficult competitive games, but also understanding that that's going to make your path to the college football playoff that much more difficult. Well, when they go to 12, LSU could be one of those teams that's an eight or nine seed then get to the final game. Yeah. Because after going through the gauntlet of the Southeastern Conference, adding Oklahoma and Texas, mm-hmm. I mean, you're as battle-tested as you can get. I mean, I don't, I'll be interested to see what the 10, 11, and 12 seeds are like because there's going to be teams that are from the SEC Big Ten that are better, but they're trying to be balanced at the back end. There's going to be still a lot of fighting about who should and who should not be included. So this adds there is every year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's automatic. It still will be. Still will be. I would. I view the you know nine, ten, eleven, twelve seeds. They're probably playing like a four or a five seed, maybe like a 
you know, a big 12 conference champion and without Oklahoma and Texas, like does the big 12 conference champion really scare you? Like if, and of course, you know, we're talking about years in advance. I have no idea, but that would be, I think a, a good barometer for competition across conferences is you're looking at the third or fourth best team in the sec going up against the best team in the big 12 and the third or fourth best team in the SEC is bullying up on the best team in the Big 12. I mean, there's a very clear talent divide there and a very clear divide and difficulty of schedules. I think most years, if you take Texas and Oklahoma out of it, the number four or five team in the SEC would be as good or better than any other team in the, in the Big 12. And I'm not trying to be mean. It's just not that close. Yeah. The defenses in particular are just on a whole nother level. If you need reference to it, look at Oklahoma. The exact same coaching staffs went out to SC. When they play anybody with any physicality, what happens? Notre Dame just ran over them. Utah ran over them. Mm-hmm. That kind of and that was supposed to be the best program in, in the Big Twelve. Uh, what would they have done in the SEC? So that's you might have dodged one with him not coming to Baton Rouge. By the way, oh, I didn't want him to begin with. I, I Lincoln I Riley, zero and four in the college football playoff. No thanks. I'm I'm good. But that was I think the perfect example of a team that might look really good on the surface based off of their schedule, but then when they're challenged, like a Lincoln Riley team going up against an SEC esque defense against Utah, there's a reason why they're zero and three against Utah. It's because they just don't have, they don't have the same physicality. They don't play with the same sort of toughness that every team yeah. in the SEC plays with. Yeah, that's why I don't think Lincoln's long for college football, but that's another discussion for another day. So LSU needs to keep recruiting like this, Caroline. They need to keep bringing in these kids because it's about to get even tougher in the Southeastern Conference. Last one for you, Brian, on that note. if uh, How would you tell LSU fans how to feel about how recruiting is going in 24, 25, and beyond? I think it's pretty good. <clears throat> the only thing that I wonder about, like we've talked about a couple of the kids in state that have committed elsewhere, et cetera. I still need to see where they go. There's mm-hmm. a certain defensive lineman that's right down the road that's committed to AM right now. I'm going to leave his name out for now. They can't allow those kinds of kids to leave the state. Yeah. That's the difference with LSU football for as long as I've been alive, is they always had that player in the middle that you had to double team. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have that guy, it changes your defensive scheme. Well, right now that kid's going to AM. And I mean, sometimes it. Does, I watched about three or four clips of him, and I turned the film off. That's all you watch. needed to see. Yeah, it's it. He's a three clipper. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a guy on Urban. One of Urban Meyer's staff told me that, and that that's always stuck with me. He's a three clipper. I don't need to watch anymore. Good. At, I'm good. Seeing yeah, all I needed it. to see. And yeah. his 40, 40 offers before his senior year of high school kind of helped too. So, but he's he's a kid who lives right down the road. There's two or three kids like that every year. You got to get. Right now, LSU's playing catch-up. If they can turn that corner, you know, what's going on in College Station? I would not be surprised that maybe they can finish in the top five or so because there's a couple of big-time players they can still get. I know there are some Texas A&M donors that are probably breaking into their piggy banks, oh. counting their uh, their nickels and dimes, <laughs> see if they can come up with a $70 million buyout here pretty soon. But Brian Smith, appreciate you as always. Thanks for stopping by. Where can the people find some more of your work? at FB Scout underscore Florida on X, Twitter, whatever you want to call it, and uh, across the Locked On Network. But uh, always enjoy stopping by to talk some LSU football. Hopefully next year I'll get out to a game and uh, maybe they'll have some better corner play too that I can watch. Uh, From your mouth to God's ears. (laughs) I hope. I hope. Brian, you're the best. We'll chat with you soon. All right. Thank you very much, Gary. 
All right, thanks. All right, thanks for making Locked on LSU your first listen every single day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcast. Appreciate Brian Smith for stopping by on tomorrow's edition of LSU, of Locked on LSU. It's a bye week for the Tigers, but what are some important games to watch? We'll get into that on tomorrow's edition of Locked on LSU.